Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, Welcome everyone to episode number 38 of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today we spoke to Mark Langtree, former League of Ireland footballer, science TV presenter, theoretical physicist and head of science and sport of Explorium Ireland. We learned about how much science can influence our lives and how much fun and joy it can bring to us. Technological advancements in sport were discussed, as was who Mark looks to as a role model. Student athletes can learn from Mark in this episode, but it really comes down to the importance of enjoying what you do. Mark tells us how sport can teach us life lessons and opens up in his three main areas of focus in life currently. We finish with asking Mark about his penalty choice in soccer and his all-time five-a-side. This is a very stimulating episode and one for those fond of cognitive diversity. If you'd like more information on this episode, or any of our others, check out our website, www.sleepeatperformrepeat.com. Please subscribe, share, rate and review, but most importantly, listen and enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today we are speaking with Mark Lantry. So Dave, would you like to give the listeners uh, an intro to Mark? Yeah, Mark, thanks a lot for coming in today. My pleasure. Um, we know each other from a long time ago when I worked at UCD, but of course, you know, you've, worked, you've played for Longford, you played for UCD, Shamrock Rovers, Airtricity League of Ireland, you've played futsal internationally um, for the under-21s in the senior setup, and you're the all-time top scorer in futsal. Let's mention that. <laughs> but also you've done a lot of interesting things since you stopped football. You're obviously on TV, working on presenting on science. You qualified as a theoretical physicist, and you've really brought that knowledge and passion and high performance background into your current venture, which is heading up science and sport in Explorium based out of Sandyford in Ireland. So we're really looking forward to hearing everything about what high performance means to you, Mark. So how's life really up to today? Uh, life is busy, which is excellent. Um, I'm spending a lot of time at Explorium, which like you said, is a new sports and science center in Sandyford in Dublin. And it's got hundreds of interactive sports and science exhibits, which teach you about the world around you and most importantly, I think, is the kind of world and the talents within people. It's for people of all ages, so we've built somewhere that everybody can go to with the mission to inspire young people, but then to inform uh, young adults and adults as well to make the right decisions, uh, not only with science and sports, but on topics like climate change, vaccines, kind of conservation, sustainability, whatever it is, we're just trying to inform people to make the right decisions, but through fun and entertaining activities, which I think you can attest to after being there. It's a fun, fun place. Absolutely, a lot of fun. I think I had more fun than my two-year-old baby there, so that's just a lot about it. My favorite thing was the Tesla coil. The Tesla coil is fantastic, and Tesla is probably one of my all-time heroes. Uh, I think he represents a lot of, I think, what society should hold. He was never a man that pursued money, he pursued happiness and improving and advancing the world. And he paid for that dearly from people stealing his ideas. He never patented a lot of things. He was truly just 
motivated by making things that make people's lives easier. Uh, and he overcome severe adversity. He was a an odd character, people might say. Uh, people say that a lot about a lot about geniuses, but someone who wasn't didn't conform to society, uh, did his own thing, worked extremely hard, uh, and really revolutionized the world we live in. We he's called the the man who electrified the twentieth century. So uh, he's the reason we've lights in the room right now. So uh, inside the Tesla room, though we celebrate his coolest invention, the Tesla coil, which is a huge machine, which is basically a souped up transformer. It takes a really small voltage from the wall, same ones we use here, 230 volts, and turns it into half a million volts, and then shoots that out as two and a half meter bolts of lightning around the room. And you, we turn the thunder into musical notes, because yeah. thunder is just vibrations traveling through the air. So you can control the vibrations, you can control the sounds, and sound is music. So yeah, we use a keyboard to just turn thunder and lightning into music using one of his inventions. That's not what he was trying to do with it. He used it to send wireless electricity across the world for free to everyone. And that didn't work out because people don't like giving people things for free. Mm. Uh, so his inventions are really, really important. And it's people like him that we try to celebrate and to kind of highlight what I feel are good role models to kids who come in rather than the role models that they probably see on YouTube. And Instagram. I had, I had originally seen it actually in Christopher Nolan's movie The Prestige. Oh yeah, because it's about it's, that's about Tesla, isn't it? About Tesla. Yeah, David yeah. Bowie played Tesla in it. Class. So uh, <laughs> that's, where, that's where I first came across it. I haven't seen it actually. Good movie. It's Is good. it? Yeah, good movie. So, in your opinion, what's been the most impressive technological advance in sports over the last 50, 60 years? And it's 50, 60 years. I think or, it kind of it just reflects the change in society, which is the use of data. Okay. Um, so data has revolutionized co computers, but bringing that, bridging that gap uh, to sports, I think has revolutionized kind of the sports world that uh, tracking every part of a player's movement, his performance, his recovery to get that extra 1%. And you see that all the top athletes, all the top teams are now increasingly tracking absolutely every piece of data possible yeah. about a player to gain that extra little edge. So I think that's completely changed sports. I think you don't even have to go back, I think, 50 or 60 years. I think even 30 years ago, yeah. uh, players would literally be doing things that you know is not helping them perform better. Uh, and they're just not aware. So it's, it's using data to make players more aware of how they can kind of operate and move more efficiently. Yeah, and I think that helps everyone. It makes people healthier and perform better. Okay. So if data was the the last half century of innovation, what's the next half century? What's what's coming down the track, do you think? I'm gonna go for transport. Okay. I think we've had a communications revolution with how we can communicate to each other. Um, if you think back to when we were all kids, songs, phones, and internet, how ridiculous and difficult it was to communicate with people and how easy it is now to communicate with someone uh, on the other side of the world instantly. So I think kind of we've, had and we will continue to have a communications revolution but i'm feeling transport is the next one it's not based on really anything that's going on maybe stuff elon musk is doing yeah. in la but the fact that now it takes like people take flights for like 24 hours to go to places that seems ridiculous mm -hmm. that seems like something that is we're going to look back on in 10 years and go what yeah you spent four hours driving to donegal what are you doing mm -hmm. yeah. so i think i think Maybe not, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years. I think the next revolution that's really life-changing will be in transport. And that's opinion, not based on anything secret I know is going on. <laughs> Cover up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Have you brought any experience from having played football and futsal at kind of a very high level to explore them? Or what have you drawn from those years of playing that has helped inform your practice out in Sandyford? I think I've brought a, a huge amount of it and I think we will continue to do that now that we're specifically opening a performance centre in Explorium. Uh, I think what's unique about Explorium, even around the world, is that it's, it's a science and sports centre. Uh, that doesn't exist anywhere in the world. There are science centres, there are sports centres. And while we are primarily a science centre, we use the kind of the pop culture hook of sport to bridge the, cap, the gap between science and society. And that'll be one of my aims to, to get a communication and understanding going between scientists and society. So I think sport is a fantastic way to do that. And I learned that lesson um, probably a bit too late. I think the fitness revolution came when I was probably entering 20, my 20s. Um, so I think there was a lot of development that I could have been doing at a much younger age that really would have helped me. And it was, I think, thanks to my time at UCD, who put a huge importance on strength, conditioning uh, and research back data and, and, and like kind of results on what to do that woke me up to using science to make me perform better. I think that's a really, really important link that kind of hadn't been made by the general, it wasn't available, that information, that link to general public that we didn't know that and understanding the science behind the sport can help you improve better. And as I was playing at the time, I've clearly and visibly seen the improvement that science was making on my performances. Uh, I would have got maybe a lot of kind of, say soft tissue type injuries uh, when I was younger uh, and then in my early twenties from doing the wrong things mm. uh, and training incorrectly. Not me personally, teams themselves, mm. training one particular way trying to suit 20 plus athletes and training them all in the exact same way, thinking all their bodies are the exact same. Mm. Uh, so I think the knowing that science can improve your, your performance is huge. And it's not only important for athletes, is that that's a great way to hook kids on the science because mm. you never try to force information to a child. That's not the way to do it. You have to engage them and make sure they're having fun. So in Explorium, there's lots of challenges and games that test your kind of mind and body. And the child or, or whoever will do the activity, uh, they'll get a certain score, certain feedback. And then one of our staff or the, the infographics will inform them a bit more about what they're doing, what they could do better. Then they perform the same exercise or challenge again and they'll get a better result. And uh, it's that link that is the most important thing for us. Uh, that's not information you're throwing at someone uh, which they generally are not very receptive to. That's showing them that, hey, here's a piece of information. Use it at your will. If you want to get better, listen to it. If you don't, you'll get the same result. So, and children like that. Yeah. They do a, the game and say, hey, do you want to get better? Listen to this. And then they hear that, they want to get better, so they're more receptive to it. And that's me improving the performance using science. I think that's a, a really important part that sport can, can do. It can really bridge that gap between uh, science and society. So you're using science to improve your life and to perform better, to be healthier and to make better decisions. Um, so that's kind of, I think it, it is a huge kind of gap there to, to kind of bridge between science and sport uh, that people are doing at the elite levels. Um, but you can do it to teach them about the universe the exact same way. Okay. Have you ever seen the TED Talk by David Epstein? 
on I read his book yeah uh, Faster, Gene. Yeah. Uh, oh I have seen Bigger Faster Stronger I didn't yeah. know that was by him yeah I've read his book The Sports Gene which is a phenomenal book, book by the way it's absolutely brilliant yeah yeah so for anyone who hasn't heard it he basically says that most of the advances in records broken over the last half century have been down to technological advancements more so than specific athletes getting mm-hmm. faster and stronger um, with that in mind and considering kind of the role that, like you just said, science ha- can play in sport. Mm-hmm. How do you think the line is drawn or will be drawn between fairly advancing uh, people's performance versus entering the realm of technological doping, for want of a better word? Oh, wow. I have no clue. Uh, there is, I think, make sure we're talking about the same thing. The bigger, faster, stronger is that documentary on Netflix about is and, it yeah, yeah and it's on youtube as well it's on youtube a channel. lot about uh, steroid abuse is it no uh-huh. this is the that's the icarus one isn't it no maybe oh. i haven't i'm getting confused yeah so the fc one was basically it's a ted talk 15 oh. minute ted talk and oh. he's going through say jesse owens compared to usain bolt when you account for their time differences mm-hmm. there's a big difference but when you account for the surface they ran on the difference is minuscule so they're saying he was 1930s, he's saying what was 2008. So uh, okay. lots of examples like that. So they're saying the big changes, especially in things like motorsport and cycling and swimming, even with the suits that they yeah. had to ban or yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of amend, that they're like, this is where all the big leaps in performance have come from as opposed to big uh, jumps in like actual human performance. So it's basically how do you toe the line between kind of trying to develop new technology versus... And I think that's an extremely mm. difficult question that has to be kind of individually thought per sport, that what crosses the line? Um, I think that's kind of, uh, should be a much wider discussion of what kind of you think is then deemed as unfair. Like do, uh, where is it? Do you think of those Adidas Predator boots that had the ridges on them to help you curl the ball? Like, is that too far? Yeah. Or the, the swimming suits that like are more aerodynamic, is that too far? So I think that's a like a discussion that there'll be like many varying different opinions on. Yeah. Uh, I think there's no one size fits all answer to those. I think each has to be taken individually, but hopefully then like, decided upon by an informed committee yeah. on what it is. But I would totally agree that maybe a lot of the advancements over the past few years have been technological based. Yeah. Um, well, again, also with, I think you, you can take nutrition uh, and kind of new methods of training into account, but I think technology helps a lot. Yeah. Where you draw, draw that line, I think that's an extremely difficult question that I don't know where we're going to go with that. It's even down to the line where, uh, People take caffeine that's completely acceptable. Uh, it's a stimulant. What's too far? Yeah. Um, I think that's a very, very difficult question. Uh, I think sometimes it's it's disheartening when you see an athlete at a top level and the range of things that they can legally take to improve their performance versus uh, an amateur athlete as well. Uh, even the fact that they can go in and get uh, treatments immediately, whether they get it's as small as getting dry needled at half time. Mm. Like these things help. You would have dry needled me at half time. <laughs> uh, and these are things that help players play better. Yeah. Uh, and that's not available to some people. So drawing that line, I have no idea where that's going to be. Uh, I think it is individual to each sport on what they decide to do. Um, but I would hope that it's drawn in the right place and that sport remains accessible to everyone and that there's not then this huge gap between the player on the street and the player on a team that to cross that boundary it looks almost impossible then yeah um, yeah and then what sport would you say again in your opinion has the most scope 
to to be advanced from a scientific point of view. Good lord, from a scientific now from yeah, like so from from your kind of the area that you exploring will be dealing with are kind of from a technology basis. What what sport do you think we could really make a difference in that sport? Well, I think from 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 definitely from exploring point of view, we're not trying to complicate things. I think we want to make sure that the same kind of information is available if you want to be a professional tiddlywinks player or professional sprinter. Yeah. That we're all we're trying to get across is that uh, understanding the basic principles behind what you do can improve your performance. I think uh, on a greater level, obviously the sports performance kind of arena has exploded in the last while. Uh, everyone's trying to think of the new piece of equipment that can help uh, athletes. Um, I don't think I'd be aware of much tech being used uh, to improve people's performance. I immediately start going to the type of sports like motorsports that use machinery yeah. and equipment uh, rather than uh, maybe more raw sports like, like football where it's just um, the kind of designer gear you'd wear. I think from my point of view, the, the data tracking of people wearing monitors, uh, and even you can, you can put them in your boots now as well, that just measure how fast you're running, what distance you're around. I think that's most useful for, for kind of from my point of view, from something I've experienced, that that's useful data that helps players. Whether it improves their performance massively, I don't know. I think that helps and aids in recovery a lot. Um, but I probably would, would hope that technology stays a little bit away from the performance aspect of sport, that you can still look at Usain Bolt and go, man, that guy's amazing. And even a seven-year-old kid can go, I want to be like him and believe that they can do that. You don't want to see someone where you're like, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. So that just that kind of makes a bigger gap between the kid in the street and the, the guy on TV, which I think uh, I would not like to go down that route. Uh, you, you like kids to be able to look at the role models and for them to feel that they can do that too. I think that's really important. So I'd probably kind of be of the opinion of, of hope maybe technology stays away from certain aspects of sports, that it's still kind of based on uh, hard work, effort, and that things like kind of parameters that are achievable by someone, yeah. uh, by a child or anything, anyone who looks up to them. Perfect. Now let's go back to yourself for a minute. You were the epitome of a student athlete, right? Because yes, you, exactly. you managed to broach being a professional footballer, which in itself is quite challenging from a time and energy, psychological, physical sort of perspective, mm. but also blossom in as a student because you're doing something that probably wasn't so easy, theoretical mm. physics, right? Exactly. So what habits did you employ to be able to, I suppose, succeed and excel across both fields? I think that the first one is that I enjoyed doing both of them. And it sounds so easy just to say that, but I'd be surprised by the amount of people who don't enjoy what they do. Mm. And I think it really just sounds so simple, but I liked both of those things. So I did both of those things. That's pretty much it. I like doing both of them. I did both of them. Now, to do them, I did have to kind of work out what schedule-wise I had to be disciplined. Um, like, I don't go out. Um, I would concentrate on uh, what I would eat a lot, and I'd be very aware of how I spend my time. And I just, once you get, I got into a routine, I enjoyed that routine. It would get to the point where I kind of got addicted to both of them. So I remember times where we would play, uh, there was a game specifically, we played Shamrock Rover. So it was my old club in the bowl. And it was a huge game. It was packed out. 
but it was during, I think, May, which is exam time in UCD. And I would have been in the, the, the library up until about, I think, maybe half five when we'd go to, to meet for the, the match. And then the match would finish about quarter to 10. And at that time, the library's open till 12. So I'd go back for the next hour and a half to the library. Uh, and when you say it like that, you're like, ooh, dedication. But I wanted to do well in both areas. Mm. And the solution to doing well seems simple to me that I spend time at both things. Uh, so I think it was, I yes, definitely was disciplined. Um, but for me, uh, I had clearly defined two things that I liked doing uh, and knew areas that I, things I had to do to, to do and excel in both of them. And I just did those things. Uh, I spent time studying and I spent time training together. I think the smaller things like making sure I ate properly, uh, got enough sleep and was kind of disciplined with my time, I think it is allowed me to do both of those things. Brilliant. Keep it simple. Yeah. Did you find it kind of, and you might have already answered this slightly, but did you find it hard to be 100% present with both? I know you say you did both because you enjoyed both, but... Um, so I would have started doing both when I was 18 and yes would definitely be the answer then uh, there's definitely times during training sessions that i was doing my homework in my head that happened a lot um, and there was times when i'm studying that uh even I'm, my position like when i was studying a lot i'd be in this position kind of hunched over at a book for a prolonged period of time during the day and i'd know i was like oh like my back's gonna hurt my, my legs are tight i need to stand up so your mind's a little bit elsewhere yeah so from that perspective, yes. Um, I think what helped a lot was, uh, so uh, I would have studied acting as well. And what I found from doing both, so the, the role of a footballer and the role of a theoretical physicist, when I treated both of them as almost like a character I played, just like you'd hear, uh, I think it was almost David Schwimmer on Friends saying that he could get into the character of Ross like that yeah. mm. after so long of playing him. So I became very good at switching between the two instantly. But that took, uh, and I felt, I felt that time when I got that, and that was mid-20s. That's after probably six, seven years of doing it, yeah. of playing those two characters for so long that I could go from uh, the library to the training ground and be I felt 100% switched over yeah. into the correct mode to help me perform in that game. Yeah. Uh, and then after that match, I could then 100% change back into physicist mode. Yeah. Uh, I think that just came with time and practice, uh, but I felt that I, I kind of really refined switching between those two roles almost instantly. Okay. There was a moment that I, I would have for me that kind of solidified it and I, I use that as kind of like a trigger. So actors will do certain things to allow them to get into certain roles. Like it could be just saying a sentence. Yeah. If, you, if your character says a sentence all the time, you say the sentence and you start immediately switching into that person. Yeah. Um, so I, I built small things like that, uh, routines into what I call my changeover um, that I would, would normally do. Uh, small things on that would be uh, I made stepping onto the pitch uh, in, in UCD. You go down the steps, and the first step onto the pitch was a thing for me. So uh, I would walk down the steps, and 
when I stepped on the pitch, that was another part of my routine. Yeah. And that then would solidify everything physics is finished. And everything from that point on is game time and helping me uh, focus on whatever I need to do to perform my best in that game. So that was kind of, I did work on that consciously to, to be able to uh, quickly switch between those two people because at the beginning it would have been tough. Yeah. I definitely know times where I was doing my homework in my head during yeah. games or training sessions and things like that. Yeah, not as great advice for anyone even who just kind of has something else going on, mm. whether it's work or life related. Um, a couple of quick fire performance related questions to give just these are the ones that everyone gets. These are almost a terrible ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How would you define high performance? What would that term mean to you? Being able to perform at your best ability. Um, so like whatever body you have, whatever it is that you do, what is necessary to help you perform at your maximum ability. So whatever it is where you need to eat properly or, or be quiet before games, listen to music before games, whatever it is you need to do uh, to perform to your maximum ability, uh, that, that's what I would define as high performance. Uh, whatever it is when you're, you're operating at your, your, your ultimate efficiency. Yeah, okay. Um, next one up. Let's say something doesn't quite go according to plan, whether that's on the pitch or up at Explorium for, for whatever reason. How do you kind of, I suppose, gain perspective and reset yourself as quickly as you possibly can? Um, I think, again, something I learned over uh, a long time, and I think sport can teach you many important lessons about life. Uh, there's a ridiculous amount of times you mess up in a game. And when you're younger, that can stick with you for, for a while, and it would have stuck with me for a while. But in a weird way, you make so much mistakes and like you see that there's two options you have when you make a mistake. Uh, obviously, everybody wants to perform the best going into a game. So if something goes wrong, you're left with two choices. Keep thinking about it, which everybody knows will cause you to make more mistakes or immediately forget about it and move on and try to do the, the best thing to help you perform well. Easy to say that. But when you play for 10 plus years and you make that many mistakes, you become better at knowing in that moment, I could keep thinking about that. And then the thing that annoys me, which is messing up, will, will happen again. Yeah. Or I can form the mindset that allows me to continue trying to perform my best. And again, you, you learn that over many years. It took me a long, long time to get that. And that's the exact same in Explorium, that everything you do is towards the goal. And I think that's important when you realize that you enjoy doing both of those things and you want to do well in both of those things. So do whatever is necessary to allow you to keep moving forward in both of those areas. I know in football, the, the aim is I wanted my team to win. Yeah. So you do whatever is necessary to make your team win. And that doesn't include thinking negatively. It's the same in Exploring. I do whatever it is to revolutionize education in Ireland there will be mistakes on that path that's completely fine uh, but that does not phase me anymore you're going to make mistakes if you're going to do something important or do something good you will make a lot of mistakes and i think what sports teaches you is that um, if you i don't wouldn't call things failures or setbacks everything's practice yeah and uh, no one's perfect at the very first time but if you you take a penalty and you miss like that's part of the process. Like you're not going to be good at everything immediately. So everything's practice. So if you, I think you have that mindset, you don't get upset by practice. Yeah. Like if someone goes, you failed, that sounds really negative and that can stick with you and you internalize that. And then that's not good for progression. But if you think it's practice, no one, like no one goes, oh, you're practicing. You don't think that as a, as a negative thing. Yeah. Practice means you're trying to get better at something. 
so I think if you form that mindset of nothing's failure, everything's just practice, then things are fine. Messing up is, is totally cool. You're trying to get somewhere. Everyone knows you're going to mess up. That's fine. That's, yeah. that's the process. Like if you want to do something good, you're going to fail. But it's all practice towards getting there. So I think, yeah, again, sports translates completely to daily life. Um, and I think it can teach you a lot of really important lessons. Yeah, perfect. Before we ask the big three, I want to break up our <laughs> performance. Three. I want to ask you specific ones about exploring. Yeah. Give us one of the experiments that you had in your head that I want to show the public this because you had to design it, but it was difficult. And then you had to come up with a way of explaining it so that if I went up there, I'd go, okay, I understand that. Okay, I, I immediately think of the, the lightning room, the Tesla coil, because I built one of them two years ago, uh, a really, really small one. And I use that as a, a great way to teach people about electricity mm -hmm. and the electromagnetic spectrum, which uh, governs absolutely everything from uh, like really, really big things like gamma rays and x-rays all the way down to visible light, down to radio waves and microwaves. Uh, so but I know we talked about that one already. So I think something that uh, we do as well, we do a lot of science shows. So that's kind of taking household equipment, simple stuff and using them to teach uh, simple kind of scientific principles, but in really, really engaging ways. Um, I think the, the lightning room for me was the biggest challenge in there. There's nothing like that in the world in a room that size. And the kind of, that took a long time to get ready. And as much as I thought I knew a lot about it, um, I learned a significant amount more from, from getting that room uh, safe and open for a hundred people to go in uh, up to 12 times a day to watch a show. Um, and then it was trying to talk about something that is extremely complicated uh, to make it more accessible and to relate it to daily life things. So I think that's kind of always the biggest challenge in everything you do in Explorium is breaking it down to how it relates to the person. Like how this piece of equipment here that is pretty complex relates to things you do in your life. Um, so the fact like the Tesla coil gives off radio waves uh, and that's what it was uh, first used for us to transfer uh, radio waves across the Atlantic uh, and started the, the revolution like this is a, like a, a radio and microwave device. So like this works on the same principles um, as Tesla coils, your microwave oven uses the same. So all electrical equipment we have uses the same principle. So it's, it's taking something really complex uh, and breaking it down into things that people use in their daily life. So I think that, that's kind of one of my favorite things there is the Tesla coil. Another thing, say if my, my baby, he, he's five, okay? Yeah. So he's three years later and he walks into your building and you want him to come away having learned two or three principles of science, mm -hmm. okay? Or three, two or three experiments there. Here we go. Difficult one, right? No, it's very but difficult, of course. Important. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But which are the ones that you said, oh, I'd love, I'd love, make sure he definitely gets a grasp of those. Those are going to, impact his life a lot are mm. there can you select two or three or is that too difficult uh, no i think uh it's hard to again talk uh, for other people that what would be good for other people so i'll tell you things that uh, i find really help me mm. uh, one of them i think is knowing our place in the universe i think that's important for everyone to understand and i don't think a lot of people <laughs> really care what's going on actually and again, the, sometimes they're very, very simple things that if you look at where Earth is in terms of the universe, that itself 
makes you think differently about what you're doing right here, right now. That we're a very small planet in a very normal galaxy among billions of other galaxies, just the perfect distance from what is a very average star that just allows us to uh, have life on the planet, that we just happen to have all the elements necessary to have life on this planet among again like trillions of other stars surrounded by planets that are just the wrong distance or the star is too big but that these are there like i think you can get lost in the world and think that this is just everything here so even for me looking at a picture of earth um there's a great one taken by actually i'm wearing a t-shirt by voyager on the back what is what does that say the furthest voyager in space. Exactly. So that's the that's the furthest man-made object, uh, furthest away from Earth. So this has left interstellar space. Uh, so this is an object that was built on Earth, and the idea was to to orbit some of the the further planets to take pictures of them. And uh, like Carl Sagan at the time was one of the kind of physicists that contributed to the project, and they just decided that. Instead of sending, I think to I think like kind of Jupiter or Saturn, they just keep 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 it going, uh, and it's still going, uh, and it's now entered interstellar space, which is the the point at which our sun stops having any effect on an object. And before they turn it off, uh, he turned the cameras around to take a picture of Earth, and like it's phenomenal. It's called a pale blue dot, but you see this vast amount of space and this absolutely insignificant blue speck on a screen and he in a famous speech said like everything you know everyone you know and everything that's ever happened on earth is there on that tiny speck i think understanding that changes your outlook on life if i ever have like a something terrible happen, or you're just like oh good lord and then you think like your problems are completely really insignificant to the grander scale of the universe. So I think one thing, one that's one of the things is I think people just understanding the place in the universe, what Earth is and what else is out there. And I think that can uh, change your perspective on life. So that's something I think I would like people to take away. Um, that's a really really important one. Other ones, I, I try, I'm trying to think uh, what else would be important. And for me, one of the things I like is the uh, electromagnetic spectrum. That, that all things, all matter, uh, all light are just, uh, it's a moving electromagnetic wave. So that there are, the reason we see is that we're seeing electromagnetic waves, photons coming from the sun. Uh, the reason I can see you, the reason we can hear each other is all frequencies and vibrations. Again, I think that just that link between things not just being exactly how they are and understanding what they are at a smaller level, I think again, changes your outlook on life. Uh, and I think that's important, whether people become scientists or not, that they need to know specific things to just help them, I think, conduct their life appropriately. And it helps you make better decisions. When you, you understand these things, you don't start littering on the street. You don't start wasting water. You don't start like, like, get, like plastic pollution. You become more aware of these problems and wanting to change them when you know the bigger picture. And I think that's, that's one of the, the main things I hope people take away from exploring is that bigger picture um, uh, to make them the right decisions. If you care about the planet, you know how special and completely unique this setup is, 
that I'm sure we're all very aware that we're completely destroying the planet. Like, there's not another planet. Uh, like, so far, we still haven't found even any other life in the in universe. So we don't know if we're in an extremely very special position. Uh, and this is how we treat the planet. Um, like, Earth will was here before us and it will be here after us. And at the moment, on the planet, we're destroying one of the most unique places in the universe. So I think understanding that, again, makes people make better decisions. I think it makes you nicer to people as well. Um, so that's kind of an answer to your question. Some <laughs> answer. You know, you can ask the big three, Connor. <laughs> I thought that was the big three. <laughs> Different type of big three. Oh, Christ. Um, what are the, the three main areas of focus to you in your life at the moment, whether that's in professional, personal, what are your, your big three, inverted commas? I think family is extremely important um, for most people and for me as well. Um, kind of everything I do is centered on, 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 on them and they would be the reason that I would kind of push through challenges and things that are difficult. Uh, I would probably say that they're my why, yeah. they're why I do things. Uh, like if I'm, if I'm really, really tired or if, that, if I do certain things, um, I would think of them and do it for them. Yeah. Um, so family is extremely important motivator in things that I do. And then two things that I think are important for everyone is to, to learn, to always be learning. Uh, whatever it is that you're interested in, to always be learning. And then laughing. Uh, I think almost, I'd say everything I do, I do it if there's laughs involved. Yeah. Like if it's going to be funny and fun, then I do it. I think like, I literally, I would judge almost everything if I get an opportunity that, like, will it be fun? Yeah. Like, will it make me laugh? And if it does, then I'll, I'll yeah. pursue it. We didn't crack enough um, jokes. <laughs> 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 no, like, it's just, these are things that, um, if I will laugh, I'll go do that. Um, I think that kickstarted, like, my interest in acting and performing was when I watched the outtakes on Liar Liar. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was the first time I seen like what actors do, and it's it's brilliant. If you watch it again, it's just Jim Carrey, and it's so funny. He's just laughing the whole time. Yeah, I remember watching that in my house, and again, you see most films, you don't see the outtakes. It's like a, even if the comedy, you're like, well, these are people performing. That's that's their job. But then I was like, oh man, those guys laugh so much. Yeah, and that's why I was like, I want to do that purely because it's like they laugh a lot. I want to laugh a lot. So yeah. that's the same reason uh, when I do science shows, I do them because I want to laugh. And I think that that helps a lot, especially for science, because if people find it fun, it's more engaging and they learn stuff. Um, but a big kind of motivator for me is if I find it funny yeah. um, and if it makes me laugh. So I would pursue most things if I know it'll make me laugh. If not, I'm not really interested. Yeah. Um, but those are probably my three things, family, learning and laughing. Give us a funny scientist as a role model. We a funny watch. scientist? Yeah. Uh, well, if, if you look up Tesla, and actually the majority of scientists are gas. One in particular that I recently read about is Tycho Brahe, right? Uh, I think he's a Dutch astronomer, and he was bonkers. Uh, I think his nose got cut off in a duel uh, that he had with someone during uh, a lunch, and your man chopped off his nose with a sword so he got a plastic nose and lived the rest of his life with a less rest of his life with a plastic nose uh, he also died because he was at a dinner table and didn't want to leave and go to the bathroom uh, so he held in 
uh, <laughs> got an infection and died because he didn't want to leave the table. So like, this is a while ago now. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, look up Tygo Braha. I just came across that guy recently. He was bonkers. Yeah. I think a lot of the people who changed the world are bonkers. Um, but yeah, just specifically him, because only I read about him recently, because uh, I was in, uh, I went to the Tycho Braha Planetarium right. um, in Denmark, so he must have been Danish, um, and I read about him, I was like, Christ almighty, like Tesla's bonkers, they're all bonkers, yeah. but this guy just took the biscuit for what was up like, he lives with a fake nose, yeah. and I don't think he told everyone, like everyone was like, you know it's a fake nose, and he's like, no, it's my nose. Uh, like this is a long time ago as well, so yeah. I'm sure it wasn't the best. Yeah, aesthetic something been as uh, no, clearly a fake scratch. nose. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not, you're not getting away with that, but he fully was like, no, it's my nose. <laughs> so <laughs> look him up, Mark. Before I wrap up, Connor, I'd like you to ask this footballer the questions that you have to ask the footballer. Oh yeah, you yeah keep yeah. saying this. <laughs> the next, uh, the next curveball. Oh great, great penalty shootout, Ireland World Cup final. You have to score to, okay. to win it first. Where, okay. where you put the ball? Top right. Top right. Top right is where I go on penalties. No hesitation. No hesitation. Why don't change? Okay. I always go. Oh, this is terrible. I can't tell everyone where I always go. Now, <laughs> now I have to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've ruined it for me. Yeah. I'm not sure when I'm taking penalties next. But I go top right. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I give the eyes the body shape to the left and just open the body top right. <laughs> you physically can't. Even exploring, we have a robo goalkeeper. Right. And the only, only places you can score is the top corners. The body physically can't get to those positions. <laughs> so you hit those positions. Yeah. Top right. All the way. All the way. Offer. And last one. Yeah. Five aside. Okay. Who's your team? Oh, Christ. Do I have to choose my mates or are we choosing anyone in the world? To be fully honest, I would choose probably non-footballers. Right. I definitely choose Ronaldo. Which one? Uh, Cristiano. Okay. Uh, again, I think he's the epitome of an athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, he's phenomenal. Everything from his mindset to his ethics, so or to his uh, his outlook and work ethic. So I think I just like him to be there. But then I think I would invite people who I know would be crap at football. What about the robot? Just to laugh. Yeah, there we go. We, like we have robot waitresses in Explorium, uh, and we have Deirdre is especially my favourite one. Uh, so we bring her on all the outreach. So I'd leave her there. Deirdre, send her back. Send her. I'd probably leave her the target target man just up top. Okay. Just, just ping everything up to the robot. <laughs> then I definitely invite people who would be terrible at football, right. just to be funny for the crack. Yeah, yeah for the absolute crack. Like, <laughs> uh, so I think I'd probably have. I think, are we talking? People have to be alive. They do not. They you do can have, not. Uh, you can have your Danish scientist there with all over Raha and then Tesla, because neither of them would give a crap about yeah. football, and I think that'd be gas. So and they'd also execute the ball. They'd also like Deirdre <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think non-footballers non would be my definite choice, plus Ronaldo. Okay. <laughs> Mark, wow, you have made us laugh there. <laughs> Look, we'd like to commend you. You're someone that brings a lot of passion, love, laughter, energy to everything you do, be it sport, science, life, on this, what, this pale blue dot. <laughs> Not quite go. a blue planet, but pretty much that. You do seem a bit bonkers. So I think it's fair to say that Connor, myself, and Kieran here in the room think you are someone that's changing life. Okay, good. That's a good thing, man. So um, I think what I'm going to draw from this is I need to keep learning, keep educating myself, and and keep laughing. Thanks for coming up, man. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.